Forrester. Down the line to right. It's gone! Garrett Forrester walks it off for Oregon State! What happened? He just like benched like five of the starters. Four of them were all Americans. Big hit pop. Did he just do it? Yes, he did. This is loaded in the NCAA tournament. And he sends a drive to deep right. Elko, Grand Slam. Beer showers about. McGarry's 2-2 pitch to Lanzilli. Strike three called, and Virginia has completed a no-hitter tonight. Pushes a bunt to third. James to first. Hayes out. What a way to end it. And what a way to end a drought. Mississippi State, the national champions, destroying Vanderbilt 9-0. Hey, hey, college baseball fans. Welcome to another episode of the 11.7 podcast, weekend number seven preview. And hey, we got an awesome guest here. It's Connor Pavoloni from the, he just gra- or he just got drafted out of the uh, University of Tennessee, former volunteer now in the Baltimore or- Orioles organization. He's here joining us to be our weekend pick him guest. And as well, we're going to ask him some questions about his days playing with Tony Vitello and crew. And uh, Connor, man, appreciate you for joining us. I know you're at spring training right now, um, but we're really, really happy to have you. I'm happy to be here, man. I, I can't wait. Yeah. So uh, we were we were talking a little bit off air, and uh, of course, we're joined here by Dimitri and Stony. Um, you're an Atlanta kid. You're you're just like Dimitri, and and I live just south of Atlanta now. Kind of tell us about the recruiting process and and how you pick Tennessee over schools like Georgia Tech and Georgia. Um, some in-state schools that probably were recruiting you pretty heavy. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny because uh, Tech and Georgia never recruited me at all um, in high school. Just, what? I, yeah, crazy. Um, so when I went and played for Titans when I was 14, we had a showcase uh, thing in the fall up at UT. And so I went up to that and then got to tour the campus and see the facilities. And um, and when we left, I was like, this is where I want to go to school. Um, I fell in love with the place instantly. Not even really just the baseball, but just kind of like the place, like Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that moment on, it was, you know, that's where I wanted to go. And I told my coach that, told my parents that, um, and I knew I could. So it was just more like, okay, like, let's get in, in touch with the right people and let them, you know, see me play. And um, if they give me a shot, they give me a shot. But um, but I was wow. I was going to recruit myself, you know, like I wasn't going to leave it up to them. Uh, yeah. You know, every chance I got back before my junior year, like you had to call them. You know, mm-hmm. you had to call coaches and um, or else it'd, it'd be like illegal recruiting or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, poor Coach Simcox. And I actually didn't commit to Coach Vitello. I committed to Coach Serrano's staff um, and Coach Simcox. I mean, he heard from me for at least twice a week. And sometimes we didn't <laughs> even talk about anything. It was just like, hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that... just just to know, like, hey, you know, I'm still here. And um, he actually came and watched me play the summer of my sophomore year for a uh, majority of the summer went up and visited and uh, didn't even really need to visit, to be honest with you, uh, but went up there and then came back. And I was actually going on a visit to Bama two days later, I believe. So um, I was going on my visit to Bama the night before I went. Uh, they offered me for the first time, which was, I mean, the night of my life and uh, went to Bama with an open mind. I mean, Bama's gorgeous. If you guys have mm-hmm. never seen it, the facilities, yep. unbelievable. Um, their new stadium is gorgeous, too. And uh, ended up committing to Tennessee on that Sunday. So, uh, you know, I went to Bama with an open mind, I'd say. But, you know, it would have taken a, a lot of money and 
and a lot of, you know, a lot of things to pull me away from UT. And, you know, it's just, you know, I didn't think that they could do that. And, and UT is really where I wanted to be. So I ended up committing there and, um, and the rest is history. It's the greatest decision I made. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is you said you knew at the age of 14 that you wanted to go to Tennessee. Now that was kind of well before the Vitello era. And, you know, now that Tennessee is kind of a baseball school, um, over the last few years of just super successful, um, you were, you were kind of ahead of the curve there. You, you knew it was special before it really came to fruition. So, um, that's really, really neat and, and interesting to hear. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just one of those places. Like, uh, I knew that I would have a chance to play there. And I knew that even though I was 14, like I believed in myself and my parents believed in me. So it was more just like, okay, you know, they instilled a work ethic in me from a kid and, you know, I've really never forgot it. It was like, if you want it, then, you know, let's go work for it and go get it. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I went and got it. And um, and I kind of wanted to be, you know, I told Coach Vitello this first time I met him, too, when I went up there. Um, you know, I want to be a part of changing something. And I want to be, you know, a part of something like I was Love a part that. of at UT. Like when I, when I leave, you know, I was there from 18 to 21. And, you know, nobody will ever take that away from me. I have two numbers on the wall that nobody will ever take down. And, you know, it's it's something that I'll cherish forever. But more with the guys that I spent it with, like if I said I did it by myself, I would be absolutely lying to you because there's no way and coach Vitello and the staff that he put together but you know I couldn't have lucked into a better situation um coaching wise because you know mm -hmm. coaching changes in high school are scary and you don't really know what's going to go what's going to happen but you know from the minute I met coach V it was you know hey I'm not I'm not gonna do anything with your scholarship if you want to come here then come here and you know let's see what you got and you know that's all I really ever needed was a shot with with Beverly there in 14 when you went up there not that I remember no do you, you, you know who that is? Mm -mm. He was the pitching coach there. Because I, when I, I went on a visit to Tennessee, and I didn't know if he was mm -hmm. still there. I think he – I don't know. I think he's at Charles. He's somewhere in South Carolina. But, um, yeah, dude, I, I loved it up there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's That's a awesome. sweet place, man. Yeah, so I have, a, uh, I have a question here that I've always wanted to ask somebody that went to Tennessee – um, you're our first guest from Tennessee, even though we've been hyping up ever since we started the podcast in 2019. So obviously last year, you guys make an Omaha run. Um, you guys make it to the college world series, but in my opinion, I thought that the, the team in 2020 before COVID happened was way more talented than the team from last year. Uh, it's okay if you don't want to dive to it, dive too deep into it, but do you think the team from 2020 possibly could have made a, a further run into the college world series if uh, COVID never happened? Uh, in terms of like a further run, uh, I'm not sure, but I know, you know, for a fact that I, I think we would have got there to be honest with you. I just don't, mm -hmm. I don't think you can look at the pieces that we had and the lineup that we put together and what we had done up mm -hmm. to that point um, to say, you know, not only did I think we were in the top 10, regardless I, I think we could have played with anybody in the country we had the arms i mean crochet was just coming back when the yeah. season ended and he pitched you guys had two first rounders right yeah was, was solar yeah. alaric solari uh, solari uh, was a, a second rounder second rounder okay but uh yeah Cro crochet ended up pitching in the major leagues later that year right that year yep. yeah and Jeez. it was you know like you take a guy like that throwing against you know no offense to the college guys but like throwing against mm -hmm. college guys and it's not fun to face him and i had to face him a ton <laughs> which was never fun <laughs> But, you know, like, I just couldn't see somebody kind of beating us three times. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yep, yep. So, I mean, 
Who went the last person? Finnegan from TCU, the lefty. He went from Omaha straight. To oh yeah, the yeah. Straight to the uh, World. world I think he pitched. In, did he pitch in the World Series? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he pitched in the World Series. Yeah. The world yeah. Series, the World Series. I think that was the storyline. That's yeah. the only other person I could think of lefty out of the bullpen because if you're if you're throwing hard as a lefty, you've got a fast track straight to the big league. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I think everything worked out for Kroos. Not that I mean, I think he would have been in the big leagues, you know, in under a full year. I don't think he would have spent a full year in the minors anyway. Um, but I think it worked out with COVID because he went straight from the draft to um, the all site for the mm-hmm. for the taxi squad. So um, I think it was just a really good situation for him. Yeah. And the white, he was in a good org too. Like the White Sox were contending. You yep. know, they they weren't playing any games. They were they were trying to go to the World Series. So like he he was in a perfect situation and it really worked out for him. But that dude has one of the crazier stories that that uh, that I've ever heard. So he's you know he's earned every bit of it. But he put the work mm-hmm. in for sure. Yeah. So we've mentioned it previously on the podcast i think a few weeks ago ben brought it up does tennessee have a lab where they build pitchers that can throw 104 miles an hour just every four years they pump like three of them out and like oh they're all committed to tennessee how does it keep happening because it's been happening for Uh, a few years now (laughs) yeah two labs actually and they're both uh pretty short dudes one of them's name is tony vitello and the other one's name is frank anderson (laughs) Makes sense. <laughs> um, one one recruits them and the other one coaches them, and um, and both of them do extremely well at their jobs. And um, and Coach V has absolutely turned that program around because he's such a good recruiter. And if you look back at before he even got hired, I mean, he was rolling out number one classes at Arkansas like it was nothing. Yep. So like that dude came to Tennessee and everybody knew what they were going to get. But I think you know he exceeded everybody's expectations. And then you put one of the best pitching coaches in the country on top of that. You know, it's like who wouldn't want to go pitch for this guy who's not only is his son in the big leagues, but he's produced double digit big leaguers in his career. You know, like as a parent, as a player, it's like, how do you not? Yeah, exactly. What now, was, what oh, was go the ahead. first time you met Vitello? What, 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 what year was that? Uh, it was it was the year he got hired because I, re- I remember the day he got hired. It was like yesterday. I was playing a game at Lake Point um, and our coach came up to me and he said, hey, Tennessee hired a coach. And I was like, sick, who? And he told me who it was. I didn't know who he was at the time. I knew he was the recruiting coordinator at Arkansas, but I didn't know anything about him. Um, And so I got his number from somebody, uh, sent him a text, said, hey, you know, I'm Connor Pav, committed, um, yada, yada, yada. And he said, all right, sick, what time is your next game? And I said, I don't know, like 7.30 or 8. He was like, all right, sick, I'll see you there. And I was like, all right. Wow. Came to my game at at Lake Point. Um, So I met him down there and uh that's why he's he's good at recruiting he just shows mm-hmm. up you know he doesn't say he's going to be there but he, he's there so uh that was the first time i met him and uh and then i think you know like a week or two after that i went up skipped school for a day and went up to knoxville and and met with him and uh and got to see the team practice and do all that fun stuff so uh you, you know the first sold. time i met him it was kind of informal but then we we set up a meeting a little bit after that and you were yes. sold. you were yeah. like yep. we uh, uh without we, a doubt yeah We've been absolutely huge fans of of Tony V since uh, since the podcast started in, in, in early of 2019. I I was looking up old tweets because we uh, I've had a, about a four hour head start knowing that we were going to interview you today. So I was searching 11.7 our Twitter account and then Tony Vitello's name, and there was probably three or four different occasions early in that 2019 season where we were like I I don't know who this coach is at Tennessee. But I would go to war for him. Just the way he would do his press conferences, uh, just very, very intense, but like trustworthy at the same time. And if obviously I've never met him, but if he told me to do something, I'm doing it 110 percent just by his intensity. So kind of tell us about 
maybe some experiences you had with Tony V. It could be either in the offseason, it could be in a game like, but just some stories that maybe stick out to you that you'll like remember and cherish forever. So I think the one, you know, you talk about his intensity, especially in press conferences. Uh, it's the exact same when he would talk to us before a game. Um, and he's very he's very light and, and stuff before the game, after the game, for the most part, unless you lose by a lot. Uh, and, you know, during the week, but leading up to the game, he kind of wants it to be tension free unless we're really trying to lock in on something. And that's what that's what's kind of great about him is he's not you know, he's not a military general. He's going to show up and. Uh, I think one of the biggest phrases that I heard there in my time, it was like, if, if you act like a pro, they're going to treat you like one. And they do. So like, if you, if you take care of your business, they're not going to mess with you. They're going to, you know, they're going to coach you obviously, but they're not going to, you know, force you to do things that you don't need to do. Um, and in terms of stories, Oh boy, I got a lot of them. Um, <laughs> I think the first one that comes to mind and just, you know, I think that kind of exemplifies who coach V is, is, you know, we would have our strength coach wasn't a big fan of morning workouts was not a big fan and I love hey, that. Really? I love that. What? Wow. Oh my God. What? But there were times where we had to lift in the morning just because of schedule conflict. And um I think we had a six AM lift one time. Like I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that we lifted as a team at six AM. <laughs> but we did it this one time because I guess we had something to do later that day. And we all walk into the weight room at like five thirty, five forty five to stretch and Coach V's in there doing pull ups and running on the treadmill. <laughs> And then he looks up, he's like, where you guys been? And I was like, oh God. <laughs> so like, you know, and I, I said it to somebody earlier this week, was like, he, he walks the talk. He doesn't say that he's going to do it. He, he both, he tells you he's going to do it and then he actually does it. Um, and so he's kind of, and I think that's why you kind of see the guys walk in with that attitude too. Like, you know, you're not going to touch us at all because mm -hmm. uh, not only does V, you know, walk the talk, but he makes everybody else do it too. Everything that you get, it looks like, you know, standing on the outside now i can kind of see how people look at sec baseball and they think that it's you know white collar and everything's mm -hmm. kind of you know all the gear we get is great and you know everything's just fine and dandy but everything at the university of tennessee you earn you know you put that power t on and you have to earn that and he takes that very seriously um and in his first in his first fall there i wasn't there but uh all the players got blank gray t-shirts in the first fall there and they had to earn the, the right to wear the power t um and seeing that that fall is, is like I knew I made the right decision um, because that guy oh, yeah. he makes you he makes you earn everything and it's um, I don't I don't want to compare I know they're playing this weekend but like a lot like you know Vandy who's just a yep. you know a blue blood in college baseball you could say like they're they're really good year after year he does the same thing and you know he disciplines the same way he just does it in a different light like he does it mm -hmm. in a way more lighthearted fashion but at the end of the day like. He's going to be, you know, your friend when he needs to be, but he's also going to be one of the hardest coaches you've ever had. And that's and he does a really good job of balancing the two of those, you know, like, and he knows when when to pick one or the other. Um, but he's not afraid to yell at you. And he's definitely not not afraid to to be fun around the guys because he wants us to be tension free, just like he is. And he believes in us. And you said, you know, I think you described it perfect when you said you'd go to war with him. And I would go to war with that guy any day of the week, without mm -hmm. a doubt, because you know, every time that I stepped on the field and I knew that number 22 had my back, it didn't matter what we did, you know, and you see it on TV too, when he comes out to argue calls, when he, when he comes out to cheer his guys on, I think uh, during Drew Gilbert's walk-off, he was the first one out of the dugout running down <laughs> yes. the right field line yep. away yep. from the action, yep. which was the craziest thing ever. He was running away from, from the action. And I was like, coach, what are you doing? And he's just <laughs> face, face against the net, you know, with the fans. And we're just like, oh gosh, So I gotta um, ask but that's just kind of, that's who he is.
Yeah. So you know how like um, we were talking about the Corbin and you know Corbin rolling every year. I think of like the Sabins in college football and all the coaching stuff. They have a program. You either are buying into it or get or get out of here kind of thing. I think what people confuse people with Tennessee, you, we see you guys putting on your fur coat. We see Gilbert freaking screaming, running around the bases. We There's a bunch of rah-rah, right? But I think people forget. They don't see what happened Monday through Thursday and in the fall, offseason, all that. The work you guys put in where Vitello lets you enjoy game day. Because you're supposed to have fun on game day. Mm-hmm. Practices, workouts, all that. That's supposed to be the bullshit where you're not having fun. You're pissed off. You're mad. But when it comes game time, put be fun. And I think a lot of people forget that game day is fun. Game day is you're not supposed to be angry and sitting there like a boot camp military style. So I think Tony V does a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go watch a game in person ever and you watch, just watch the guys and how they interact before the game, you'll notice it too. Like there's no tension that he's not trying to coach you before a game. He literally walks out, he puts the lineup in the locker room and then just walks out of the locker room. And if you guys can't tell, he is so intimidating, not because of how, how like tall he is or how big he is. But like if you're having a conversation with him, he'll just like say something and stop talking. So then you're left for the rest of the day wondering <laughs> what he meant. And you're just like, oh, my God, like an 18 year old kid with a college coach. Mm-hmm. You're like, what did he mean by that? And and you're spending the rest of the day thinking about it. And he knows what he's doing. I know that he knows what he's doing. He knows, yeah. <laughs> The, uh, you know, the, so. the best way to compare it is he, he's almost like a CEO that just has a presence about him that just doesn't have to say much, but everything he says is meaningful and intense and just leaves you, leaves you with that mental warfare just the rest of the day. You, you don't know what, what to expect. Um, speaking of mental warfare, though, we put out a tweet the other day, uh, or at least I did from the 11.7 account, that I think it's a little bit Bush League that Coach Vitello not Bushley, but I think it's a little inappropriate that Coach Vitello puts Ben Joyce into the game up by 10 runs. Just absolutely <laughs> demolishing teams, just taking their soul away. And then they're going to put a guy out there that throws hundred up to 104 miles an hour. Is that a, is that a little bit unfair in your eyes? You think uh, you think that's a little mean? I mean, yeah, it is. But the guy needs work, and, uh, and he's coming, it's coming back from TJ. And um, I don't think you'll see that later in the year, but – I mean, I don't feel bad for him. Sorry. Yeah. Imagine uh, Western but, Carolina comes in, you know, gets absolutely smacked around by Tennessee, just down 10 runs in the eighth inning. And then you get Ben Joyce, the volunteer fireman, coming into the mound. Like those kids have hey, got to like contemplate quitting baseball. He's not even just coming in, he's just coming in to get work in. Don't forget that. Part. And, and they know he's that. Coming and that's in the to worst get part work in. And they know <laughs> yeah. it. And they know it. And they got to pay not even trying. before that. He's not even trying. He's just coming in, you know, work on pitches to fill up the zone, and it's just sitting at 100, 102, 103, <laughs> whatever. And they know he's get kicking their ass, not even trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's what's it like? He's what's it like catching him? I know you haven't caught him this year, or at least I don't think you have. But um, before Tommy John last year, you told us off air he was still like 100, 102 miles an hour, um, and somehow throws harder after Tommy John. Was it was it just like a freak of nature thing, or is he somebody that has um, maybe put in work behind the scenes to really get to that point? Like, what kind of kid has been Joyce, and uh, how did he start throwing 100 miles an hour? Oh, man, I, there is so much I could say about Ben, and all of it would be incredible. Like, he's one of the most humble kids ever. Um, and, you you know, you walk up to him, and you try to joke with him, and you, like, feel bad because he's so nice, you know? <laughs> but oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but he he works harder than anybody. I've seen that dude deadlift over 500 pounds for reps. Like it's absolutely nothing. Like he he looks like he was made in a lab. And you know, he That's when he came into Tennessee, said. we yeah, we, we knew that uh we knew that he could throw hard, but I mean it's August and I'm catching a pen for a dude throwing a hundo. And I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, it's August. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I mean, very unfortunate what happened to him, but I think I knew that the world was kind of going to react like this when they saw him throw for the first time, because I was hoping that you were going to see it last year, but, um, but very unfortunate. And, you know, I guess God had different plans for him, but the world kind of gets to see who Ben Joyce is now. And, um, and he's one of the greatest dudes ever. Like, I think it's easy for a kid like that, who's getting this much attention right now to, to kind of just fold and, and fall into the trap of just, you know, woe is me. And, um, you know, thinking he's everything, but I know for a fact that he doesn't. Um, and I know for a fact that, you know, he's one of the most humble kids ever. And it is unbelievable to catch, too. Like, it's it's almost like catching a big leaguer, except big leaguers know exactly where every pitch is going when they throw it. Um, and I think – I don't think Ben has command problems by any means at all. But um, but when you expect 100 – I had to catch him in, like, dim lighting one time. That's like, unfair. That's cruel punishment. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what am I What am I doing out here, guys? Like, can we just throw in the game now? <laughs> <laughs> you just turn yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, he's he's one of the greatest kids ever, and it's so fun to catch him, and it's even more fun to watch. I got I got to ask this before I forget. Do you remember last year? It was Vitello and Van Horn in Knoxville <laughs> when they had their beef, and we all know Vitello came from Arkansas and all that. What would would Van Horn bitching about something like what was the deal there? Because we could never really figure it out. Uh, yeah, no, Coach V. Uh, not only did he never tell us, you know, what they were arguing about, but he said that we don't need to worry about it, and that it's something between him and him. And um, and that was, you know, when Coach V says something like that, you know that it's between those two. And you know, Coach That's Van Horn cool. is going to be the same way when he tells his team that too. So mm-hmm. you know, we respect Coach V on an you know an exponential level. Uh-huh. Like we we respect the crap out of him and. You know, if he's not telling us something, there's a reason, and we're not gonna we're not gonna ask him about it, and we're not gonna bring it up ever again. And when we play him again, it's gonna be the same deal. And we did play him again; we didn't beat him, but um, but it was fun to play him again. And um, and those are those are the kind of games that you kind of want, and you kind of expect that Hell out of yeah. the end of that kind of series too, because everybody knew what we were playing for. It wasn't a secret. Like the winner of that mm-hmm. series would be the number one team in the country. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, uh, after that series, it became you know, the tensions were so high and everybody wanted to just let loose, you know, all three games were one run games, I believe. Yeah. And then a walk, a walk off on Saturday. And, um, and so it's like the tension's so high that, you know, I think if, if either one of them would have said the wrong thing, which I don't know if one of them did, I, I wasn't there for the conversation, but, um, you know, if one of them said the wrong thing, it could have tipped one of them off. It was just that kind of series, you know, and it was so fun to be a part of. And I know a lot of guys at Arkansas too. So like, it's mm-hmm. not, um it wasn't a disrespect thing personal. at all it's just competitors it yeah, competing and that's yeah competitors competing and and that's what happened and and that's what i'm going to take from it and um if coach v doesn't want to tell us then we'll never know and i'm okay with that yeah let's uh let's take a step back here I, I, this is a question i should have asked you a couple like 20 minutes ago but you you kind of were in a great position because um you got to see the the development and the rise of Lindsey Nelson Stadium, as far as fan attendance and you know student sections coming in with a um, the Lindsey Nelson, what are they, the crazies? Uh, what are, oh, oh, the legends, legends, Lindsey Nelson legends who follow us on Twitter and they always interact with us. But kind of walk us through or talk about the maybe like your freshman year compared to last year, your junior year, 
um, just seeing it become more of a baseball school and people buying in across the uh, across the campus. Yeah, freshman year, it was just one of those things that like, you know, weekend games were we're pulling as many people as uh, midweeks were. And um, and I'm not afraid to say that, like everybody else would say that too. But, you know, as the year went on and as we won more, I believe my freshman year, we uh, we won the first two games against Georgia, who was number two at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Garrett Stallings threw a complete game shutout in game two. And that was the most people that I had seen in Lindsey Nelson Stadium since I got there. Um, and I believe last night they announced a 4,700 midweek attendance, which is a sellout for Lindsey yeah. Nelson. So you know, if that doesn't, you know, speak volumes as to what the, you know, what the crowd attendance looks like, but from a standpoint of like what the players see, it is one of the coolest things ever to walk out of your locker room in a super regional and the stadium is sold out and you haven't taken a swing in BP yet. Like it's one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. That is, And everybody's going crazy. Like if you can find me another fan base that would checker a baseball stadium, I would love to see it because you won't ever find it. (laughs) And Vol Nation, like, they're the greatest fans in the world. And I'll, I'll mm-hmm. tell that to anybody. I mean, when you're winning, it's awesome. When you lose, they're going to be, like, fans who are when you lose. Like, it, it happens. Yeah. But, you know, thankfully, we won a lot while I was there. But I don't think you'll find another school that would not only sell out their stadium, but sell out this street behind the stadium. We, to watch yeah, I remember that. I was going to I was gonna mention that, too. That was so cool seeing that. The, the whole street blocked off and the big screen out there. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember I have I played with uh, Vincent Jackson and AJ Simcock. I played summer ball with them. I know AJ. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm trying to think. I never really remember them talking about because, like, Tennessee baseball. Then they went they went through some rough times when they were there. Mm-hmm. You know, they said their yeah. highs or lows. But oh, yeah. I mean, you you didn't really hear about Tennessee baseball. You never heard mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. like. Effort. It, and now it was like you they were kind of always being overshadowed during Vandy's big run between 2008 and 2014. Um, mm-hmm. Vanderbilt was just the like overshadowing everybody else in the, in the SEC. So yeah, um, that that was uh, that was cool to see though because kind of the way we since our podcast has been around, we've seen Tennessee just shoot up to the moon as far as um, being one of the best programs in the country. Now, let me ask you this. So everybody knows the gruesome SEC schedule that each team has to play. Uh, week in and week out, it, you cannot take a team lightly. Was there ever like was there ever a weekend where you it kind of hits you like, oh my God, like this is SEC baseball. Um, like you're not gonna find this atmosphere in any kind of double A, triple A ballparks, nothing in the minor leagues. Uh, was there ever a series that you walked in and you were like, wow, this is, this is it. This is what I signed up for. Uh, in terms of like an away series, my freshman year, we played at Arkansas. Um, and that was, that was awesome. And I'll, I'll never talk bad about Arkansas fans after going to Arkansas. Um, not only because I think they, they come out in record numbers and they have a gorgeous stadium and their fan base is extremely loyal. And I respect that because Vol Nation is the exact same way. Um, but in terms of like Tennessee, that's super regional. I've, I've never seen anything like it in my life mm-hmm. I, in an environment like so i lived with max ferguson liam spence chad dallas and Cortland lawson so like we had a really really nice house but we would all drive to the game together um and it was just something that we did because we did it once and then we won so we had to do it every other game yeah yeah and so we drove through the crowd of people to get to the parking lot that were tailgating and we got to the field at like 1 30 for a seven o'clock game and you see these college kids that 
when they got to college might not have even known that we had a baseball program Yep, are out there pre-gaming with the legends just <laughs> vibing over in right field. And I'm like, dude, this is insane. And then walking out in a uniform and seeing how loud that place gets mm-hmm. because all of the fans, I don't know if you can see it from pictures, but all of the fans at Lindsay Nelson are right on top of you. Like you can, you could hear a pin drop from home plate in the stands. Wow. So like <clears throat> being able to, you know, hear the entire crowd when it's like going for you is, is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you win a game and you turn around after dapping the closer up and you're like, wow, like there's five, 6,000 people in here. And I know there's another two or three outside of the stadium just going nuts. Like we played LSU and it started raining in the super and um, the people outside of the stadium got louder when it started raining. So the people inside of the stadium got even louder and it was <laughs> just chaos and it's pouring rain chad dallas is throwing in the pouring rain and i'm like oh my gosh like these people are crazy and nobody Mm -hmm. moved nobody moved from their seats because they knew if they got up someone was going to take it so nobody got up it was it was complete chaos in lindsey nelson stadium hey we got to rewind to get to that super people don't remember you guys were down to right state most of the game if not all of it until gilbert hit that grand slam i mean like not only down, your top three down by three runs. I know, and they were, but with that, I mean, that had to have been at least top three, if not number one, like one of your best moments. Weren't you on? Oh, it, it weren't you on base during that, or am I remembering that? I actually, I, uh, I homered at the beginning of the game, and then in the ninth, I let off the ninth with a hit, and Coach V Pinch ran for me because he knows oh, that my speed that's... is unfair in the game. So he was just like, <laughs> "Let's put somebody else out there." Yeah, to give him a chance, you know. So <laughs> were you hurt? That. Uh, were you hurt? I still, my hand was still broken. So like, yeah, still I was, broken. But it doesn't doesn't affect my running. Um, so I have no excuse. But <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was in the dugout actually watching it, and I wasn't even in the dugout when he hit it. Um, I was in the locker room. So I walk, I get a hit. He pinch runs for me. I go back in the locker room. Uh, Jake Rucker, who hits after me, got a hit too, I believe. And now I'm like, okay. Jeez. So I go walk back out and Max is hitting. Oh no, Liam got a hit after me. Liam got mm-hmm. a hit after me. And then uh, I go back out in the dugout and Max is hitting and then Max gets out and I'm like, geez, now I gotta go back in the, in the locker room. <laughs> so I went back in the locker room and Jake Rucker gets a hit. And now I'm like, now I really can't leave the locker room. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting in the locker room with my head against the wall, just praying like God, something like anything. And then I hear the ping because we always leave our locker room door open during games. Uh, in case anybody needs to run back there and, and get anything. But I heard the ping and everybody goes berserk. And I'm like, there's no way that that just happened. I look in the dugout, everybody's running out of the dugout. And I just absolute dead sprint from the locker room out of the dugout. I knew exactly what happened. I didn't need to see it. And I was like, this is the craziest. I almost passed out. I was like, this is insane. Has the bat landed from the bat flip that Gilbert threw? I don't think it <laughs> Actually, has. Actually, if, if you watch the video, I look to make sure the bat is not going to hit any of our players because that's the kind of conscious leader that I am, <laughs> knowing that I want to keep our guys <laughs> safe. And so when he threw the bat up, I looked just to make sure for a split second that nobody was going to get hurt because that's how people get hurt, celebrating. Yes. And I was like, mm, no, we're good. Okay. And then it was just like a waiting game, waiting for him to get to home plate. He but, took oh my forever. Gosh. Oh, yeah. I would have taken forever too. Yeah, I would awesome. have walked around those bases. That, there was nothing that, that you could have told me to get me around those bases faster. Did Vitello sprint down first base line, like all the way into right field, basically? Oh yeah, that he was the first one out of the dugout, and I was, I was like, Coach V, where are you going? The <laughs> like, 
And so he's going nuts. Everybody else is going nuts. Nobody really knows what's going on except for the fact that we just won the game. So now we're standing in the right field. Like what just happened? Like we're all juiced up and, um, and coach V just the guy that he is just super intense after the game. He's like, good win guys. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. It, it's so funny. I put a tweet out there last year, like right after this happened. And of course, I mean, the video gets, you know, 3 million views on Twitter, but uh, I quote tweet it. And the funniest part was it, it felt like nobody knew what to do with their bodies. It was like, you mm -hmm. guys were at a rave, like on the, Bobby. The, the biggest drug, like the most hardcore drugs of all time. Nobody knew how to control their bodies. Like you guys mm -hmm. were just moving in, in different directions. And it was unbelievably funny just because it had to have been everybody's most excited they've ever been in life, period. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, you like, you know, you always picture being in Drew Gilbert's spot, but you mm -hmm. never picture watching it. You know, <laughs> That's so true. you're That's like, a good point. what do I do now? And then everybody's looking around, making sure that what just happened just happened. And we're like, okay, like, I guess we just celebrate. And that's what we did. How long were the fans still there after after the game? Oh, man, it was nuts. So Drew and I actually did media after that, even though media asked me zero questions. So like, it was so pointless for me to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they don't care. They don't care about you. Yeah, they did not care about me in that media meeting. And I was okay with that. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we're walking back to the locker room after our team meeting, after our offensive meeting. And Drew and I are walking to the locker room and there, not a single fan has left the stadium. Not, and everybody, I think, was still in shock. Like, we just won this game. Except for yeah. Wright, Wright State's uh, fan section in the stadium, that was empty. Were but, they, how long did they sit in the dugout? How long did Wright State – because I know how painful that is. I don't – to be honest with you, I don't think they – I think they just wanted to get out of there. Mm -hmm. um, so, I think they just packed their stuff up and left. Um, because they had a game – they had a morning game the next day. Yeah. Because they Liberty, lost. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Duke. They played Duke. Duke, because Liberty yep. beat Duke. Yep, I remember that. Oh, was that yeah. that was so game like, one of the regional, huh? Mm-hmm. Game one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That was that was, a, that was one of the toughest regional. I mean, Duke was by, by was the worst team in that regional. Well, Duke and was all good. They won night. They won nineteen straight games to get there. I know, and they the were ATC. quote unquote. How about that? Yeah, that they regional were, quote, unquote, was pretty the worst up. team. Yeah. Yeah, and Wright State comes in as a four seed. Are you? And they were me? good. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they beat us twice got... in the COVID year. When I was telling you guys yeah. that I thought we were gonna, mm -hmm. they beat us twice in a series. Yeah. And we're like, dude, who are these guys? And you guys were Chad the three... actually threw against them. You guys were like the number three overall seed, right? Or was it three or four? Yeah, it was three. It was three. Yeah, and you guys got a loaded they, regional. It was, it was not even <laughs> right. Like, let's throw Alcorn State in there or something. Come on. Like, respect something. the number three, I mean, three team in the country. And then yeah. same thing with Arkansas. Arkansas yes. kind of got screwed with Nebraska as a two seed. Like, it was I it was know. super unfair. Nebraska got screwed not hosting. Like, yeah. I thought they were going to yeah. force we, we were sure so pissed. <laughs> we were so pissed, Nebraska, because we knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it we was, were watching a selection was, show like, okay, what, what seed is Nebraska going to be? Because they announced mm -hmm. the 16. They announced it one, one in 16. Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay. And then they announced two and 15. And we're like, okay, Nebraska's still not hosting. There's no way they're a 14 seed. Yeah. And then when they announced the 14 seed and they weren't there, I was like, no way they're not hosting. Wow. That's they're going to be a two Wait, seed. We, we had been, we, we did this last episode. Last year was the one through 16 predetermined host sites, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nebraska would, Big Ten did not get a host site, right? No, they did not. So, yeah, so no. that, so they were, yeah. I, okay, that, that makes sense now. They, yeah. But if you if you remember, South Carolina played in their own I know, regional, Old but Dominion. They, they weren't the one seed. Yeah, Old, 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 Dominion, Old Dominion was at the one at that mm -hmm. regional. Yeah, that was a fun that was a fun regional too. 
Um, tell yeah, me about this. We we get last year we had three or four DMs from fans. Actually, one was a former teammate, and two two were fans. Um, we've we've already said the name Chad Dallas twice. I think I've heard he's the funniest human being alive, and we need to get him on the show. Like whenever we ask, like, hey, any recommendations for any players that you guys want to get interviewed? His name always comes up. So what what is it about old Cheesehead Dallas that uh, that makes him so funny? It honestly, like, he's one of my best friends. Like a brother to me, one of my roommates. Um, and to be honest, it's, to me, it's just his, his lackadaisical attitude about life. <laughs> like he just love loves that. life. And <laughs> that guy is, he'll just say stuff every now and then. And you're like, dude, you're actually funny. <laughs> and um, I just think he loves life and doesn't really care what anybody, I actually know for a fact that he doesn't care what anybody else thinks of him. Yeah. Um, Which is perfect for a Friday night starter. That's what you want. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like he goes out there and he competes and he is not, kumar rocker and he's not jack mm -hmm. Leiter, or but he doesn't want to be and he goes out there and he competes and i would take that guy over every other pitcher in the country any day of the mm -hmm. week and in terms of having him on the show i think it would be incredible for you guys and you would love him mm -hmm. and you yeah. know he's one of my best friends but he's also like he is one of the funnier people that i know just because i don't even think that he knows that he's funny he just does funny things yep that's you what know? we've heard <laughs> <laughs> just indirectly funny which is the best but exactly um, so let's do this. We've been going for about 35 minutes now. Um, let's do this. We're going to get into the, the super fun part where, we, where we're going to challenge you to a weekend series pick them. But before we do that, uh, we're going to kind of recap the midweek. So um, obviously this midweek wasn't, wasn't incredible. I mean, there were some fun parts, but what, what was the most noteworthy was the Oregon versus San Francisco game. Um, for the listeners that don't know, the umpire made a terrible call to end the game. I mean, that's point blank what happened. It was a uh, ground ball to first base, pitcher covering, or yeah, mm -hmm. ground ball to first base, pitcher covering. Guy gets called out, but he was a half a step, a clear half a step safe for, for San Francisco. Oregon ends up winning the game. I think what my opinion is from what is the most um, controversial thing is Pac-12 does not have instant replay. What is up with that? A Power Five conference, and we 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 give the Pac-12 a lot of crap. How do they not have instant replay when the games are being televised like that? Because a call like that should never happen. Exactly. That that is my first point. Is like they're mm -hmm. televised, so why don't you just make a room and then mm -hmm. let them replay it? Like that makes zero sense to me, and it costs San Francisco a win against a, a Power Five school. Like yeah. we're talking about Oregon here. We're not talking about some some lazy midweek like yeah you know and that i hurt for those guys because i know that it's so preventable and i'm not saying they would have won the game by any means but like no, give no, them a yeah. chance you know yeah. i mean i mean that i mean when when you know how every year at the end of the year oh east coast by east coast by this, east coast by that oh you guys don't like the pack 12 kendall rogers you hate you don't like blah 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 i'm like dude you got do it to yourself you do it to yourself every single yeah. year pack 12 year. network wasn't televising college base, their game until I don't even know last year, two years ago, like mm -hmm. high quality, you know, where you, people will sit down on a couch and watch the game rather mm -hmm. than sit on their computer and look at a webcam. You know what I mean? Yeah. TV feel changes yeah. everything. As a yeah. Mississippi State fan, uh, the College World Series never actually ended. Cam James did not throw that guy out with the bunt to first base. So <laughs> I, I'm all for Oregon winning the game there. I, it, you know, whatever. I, my, it's my all was good. that he wanted to review play yeah he, wa yeah he wanted to review that play at the end of it the game it was so good and Tim when you're down nine nothing 
and <laughs> nine nothing in and season he, just and one hit dogpiled already and you're looking at your first base coach like yes this will change the game yeah give him the headset <laughs> well it, shame on him for bunting down <laughs> nine nothing <laughs> yeah so what are you doing <laughs> first pitch how, hey ben how did you think that oregon game was the only thing that happened this midweek you said there was not that much going on well we said it was florida, florida state texas a&m beat texas in austin TCU lost both midweek. I mean, there was a little bit more. Sam Houston, Bo Grace, Texas State. Yeah. So. Well, I, I was saying there was not very many viral clips I'm just, from, I'm this, just busting from this post here. I'm just I know. Obviously, it here. was it was like rivalry week, basically, in the midweek. We got to mm-hmm. see um, some in-state rivals play against each other. This is actually a question I need to ask you, Connor. So... Demetri and I both played mid-major college baseball. And whenever we got to play against a team like Georgia or Georgia Tech or Auburn in the midweek, it was like our Super Bowl. As a big-time Power 5 school like Tennessee, did you guys ever take a, a team lightly in the midweek, or did you guys ever know that a team was like really coming Hold after on. you? Maybe a, before, a mid- you, before you answer this, before you answer this. Maybe not take – I know what Demetri – Of course yeah, he's we not going to say lightly. I know, that was lightly. dumb. Like, what, what are you talking about? Of course that we was a dumb thing to say. You know but did mean? you ever – did you ever feel like a midweek – like maybe a, a Lipscomb or a Memphis or uh, a team that you would play in the midweek was really coming after you guys harder than than most of their other scheduled games? Oh, I mean, midweeks – That that's how midweeks were. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I think – you know, I wouldn't use that kind of term like Super Bowl because I think some people get really butthurt about it. But, like, yes, you're playing a Power 5 school and teams want to win that game. And you can tell when you watch the games that the kids really want to win that game. And because of that, you ca- you can't take those games lightly. You know, like, you not only can you not lose it because of RPI, but you cannot take it lightly because these teams – these are college baseball players. Like, ETSU – we played ETSU every year, and I think they beat us my freshman year. Um, and like those kids will come, they come to play and they came to beat you. Like they didn't just Mm -hmm. show up saying, Oh, we're playing Tennessee, you know, like let's get our Friday guy in there for an inning for his bullpen. And, you know, starters, you know, our top three hitters will get a knock and get out. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not how it works. They came here to beat you and that's all they want to do. And so Mm -hmm. you can kind of see that. So you cannot take those guys lightly at all. And you have to put your foot on the gas from Mm -hmm. pitch one. But I think Tennessee does a really good job at, burying opponents uh mm-hmm. coach, something about tennessee when they win they win big um mm-hmm. and it, they don't really play a ton of close games unless you know it's a, a sec weekend but i feel like watching them play midweeks the last few years they, they beat teams by 15 20 runs consistently way more than other teams you know what i'm saying weekend right now oh yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> like that's just how we do it like it was one of those things like we're we're about to leave no doubt and you know it's brutal to say but i think people know it like that's a time when you get guys who don't have much experience when you put an 18 year old in a college environment for the first time odds are it's going to be in a midweek unless he's a superstar mm-hmm. you know like you're not just going to throw an 18 year old out there on the weekend unless he's just unless he belongs there so like for us a lot of times it was like okay like we can get up big and when we did get up big guys would get opportunities and that experience is invaluable down the road because you never know what like Nobody could have predicted that I break my hand against Vanderbilt last year, mm-hmm. but we had a, a very experienced, you know, catcher in Jackson Greer who came in and played because he had played at ETSU before that. But if th- we didn't have him, then we would have had to rely on somebody. And I would much rather have somebody that can go into a game that's been on the field before, that's you know yep. been in front of fans before, 
And I think that that experience is invaluable and Coach V does too. And that's why you see guys like the depth that we have and why guys don't look afraid on the field mm-hmm. is because they've been there. You know, they've done it. And having to play against yourselves all fall helps too, you know, when when they're yep. as good as they are. So um, I think Coach V definitely harps on it, but it's something that our off takes, you know, very seriously too. And Coach E, it's like, hey, we're not here to mess around. Like, let's get in, score our runs and get out. You know, we but came here to win. Let's win and leave. But it starts in the first inning every time. Like, you know how, Ben, when you walk into a game, you're like, oh, shit, it's the sixth inning. We're down, you know, four to two. Yeah. Fuck, shit, we got to go. We got to go. We got to, you know, win this game. But if you score two in the first, one in the third, three in the fifth, you're, it's, you've got five, six, seven runs already. And if the other team has got five, six, seven runs, you're already scoring. So it's not like, oh, no, we need to score now. You just continue to do what you've been doing the first five innings. And it's not as stressful and all that. Yeah, but, you see a lot of teams yeah. sleepwalk during the midweeks, it feels like. Um, like kind of just play around, play cat and mouse, and then it's seventh inning. It's like, oh, let's try to turn it on. And that's how they end up losing. Just, they let the other teams hang around. Um, yeah, I hate, guys get innings when... that they shouldn't get. Like guys mm-hmm. throwing games like – you know, you have a, a reliever or a closure that you don't use except for the weekends that's coming in in the midweek because it's close. Like, why are you doing that? Let that guy rest. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's just wasting pitches. Did Here's a question that, that that's interesting to me, at least. You kind of have a coach vibe right now. Like, you kind of feel like a, a Tony Vitello 2.0. Is, is coaching college baseball, like, something that you might want to do here 15, 20 years down the road when you're done playing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, Coach E, who's at, at Tennessee right now, was um, somebody that I got really close with. He was our he, he ran our offense and he was uh, he was the catching guy there. And if I could pick, you know, a coach that I want to be like, like that's him. You know, I want to mm-hmm. be just awesome. like that guy uh, because that's my guy, and I owe him more than more than anything. But more just like paying attention to the way that he handled me when you know, I would lose it and get angry and he would still like come over and be like, Hey man, like, let's talk it out. Like, let's talk about it. And the way that he coached is not like a cookie cutter way to coach. It was like, Hey, like, especially for me and him when we were so close, cause we could tell each other a lot and we would run by things. Um, and we would argue about things too, because that's just how close you were. He'd be like, no, I don't like that. And he'd be like, why? And I'd be like, well, at least try and so we'd try it if it's completely fine with that. And he'll he'll figure it out. Like, he figures out how to coach you. Like, you don't mm-hmm. figure out how he's trying to coach you. Like, he figures out how to coach you the best way. And that's why the, that offense is so dynamic. Like, you see guys like yeah. – and I think you said it best when you said score in the first inning. This Tennessee team can put up six runs in an inning in seven hitters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like that. Like, they score on you so fast. And Coach E is I mean, a big reason for come- that. And, um, and Co- Coach V will tell you that too. Lipscomb hit the two-run homer in the first, I swear, every game. <laughs> Love that guy, man. That's one of my best friends, too. And I'm so yeah. glad he's, he's balling, man. I've tweeted about it so many times. Like, that dude yeah. deserves every bit I of mean, what he's getting, man. I mean, talk about dudes that stick with it. Like, you remember last year, Evan Russell was yeah. struggling. And all of a sudden, he, mm-hmm. but he kept getting after it, getting after it, got put on the bench, kept getting after it. And you just saw it was a competitive at-bat after competitive at-bat. And then, I mean – Hitting that's how hitting is. Ball starts falling. Exactly. Well, he, had, he just kept it, doing it, and finally he, started... he he had two three homer games last year, right? But I was he did one of them was the against bench. Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah, yep. I homered in that off game off as well. Lighter. But nobody cares about that one either. Just like the right <laughs> state, and I'm yep. okay with that. <laughs> yes, don't have to be the hero. Um, no, and it was so but, fun to watch that too. I actually broke my hand in that game. 
that he homered three times in. It was that game? Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Dimitri and I were talking about that, like how you, you injured a lot of the season there, but you played through it. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it just like the handmate bone on the side? Was that the, the bone that was broken? or uh, No, so uh, Luke Murphy from Vandy, I believe he got drafted this year. He hit me uh, 97 right here on the side of my hand, mm. and he broke the uh, my pinky and then cracked my ring finger on the MRI. But they think the ring finger was just kind of like a mess up on the MRI. But, yeah, he, he snapped my pinky. And you played through it? Like you were out, what, two uh, weeks? Yeah, played the next weekend at A&M. And I actually think that that's when I, like, fractured it was at A&M because I tried to play with it. Um, and then we get – I homered twice at A&M, and I was like, oh, I'm fine. And then we get back in the midweek. <laughs> Oops, and my I'm bad. DP, yeah, <laughs> I'm taking DP in the midweek, and I can't even take up my bat, like, with my right hand. And I'm like, guys, like, this is a problem. And normally, like, I wouldn't, you know, tell a trainer, but I literally couldn't couldn't play. Mm-hmm. So we went got it because we had already got an X-ray. It was fine. We went and got an MRI, and the MRI came back broken. And initially, uh, when they evaluated it, he said, "Okay." The doctor said, uh, "Okay, like four to six weeks." And I was like, "All right, three weeks. I'll see you then." And <laughs> um, and so every week, um, I felt so bad for my trainer too. I was like, "Can I just just let me go swing? You know, like or let me go pick up a bat." Um, and I tried to play at Missouri the weekend before that. Couldn't. I mean took BP, did all that, uh, went through the whole dance, couldn't do it. And then we got back against Arkansas, lost on Friday night. And this is the weekend I was supposed to come back anyway. Lost on Friday night. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm catching tomorrow. Yep. And so uh, ended up playing after that. And then um, our trainer was actually extremely, you know, cooperative. Cooperative is the wrong word, but um, gracious to me uh, every time that I would ask him because he's the medical professional, but I always went in there asking questions like, why can we not do this? Yeah. You know? yep, yep. So uh, one day I went in there with a crazy idea and I was like, hey, because the only thing that hurt was to lift this pinky knuckle up because that was the one that was broken. So I was like, OK, so let's just tape it down. So we taped my pinky in place. All I all I needed was these two fingers to throw and my thumb. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the hitting is what it is. But I can like I'm known as a defensive catcher and that's kind of what I was. So all I needed to do was catch and the hitting mm-hmm. will figure the hitting out later. Come in and I will figure it out. Um, and I actually ended up hitting better with a broken hand, healthy hand. Funny how so that works. I'll huh? take it. Funny how uh, that works. But you the guys more than it. Yeah. Well, you, the offense that with that lineup, you guys didn't need any extra help offensively. I mean, it was one of the best offenses in college baseball last season, if not the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I mean, dude, credit to you, man. Like tip a cap, and for all the young listeners, high schoolers out there, or current college players. Um, you know, that's something that you should respect, you know, a guy that's willing to play hurt, play injured, whatever you want to say, uh, and help his team win any way possible. So that's a that's definitely a good role model to have right there with you, Connor. Hey, before, hey, before we get into all that. the weekend stuff, do you feel bad for Texas? Um, I, actually, you're not the first person to ask me this. Um, and I'll say, I'll say this about Texas because uh, they beat us in the World Series. Yeah, I get it. But every single year, they're in the top three or four preseason. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, don't let Dez hear this. Every single year, (laughs) the team in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time. I I think they're really good. I I do. I just think they're going through a rough patch right now, and every team does it, but they're going to be right back in Omaha, uh, I believe, because they have the team to do it if they can figure out guys on the mound. But um, Mm -hmm. I think they're good. They need to figure out Sunday. Going through stuff right now, trying to figure out who they are. Mm Mm-hmm. 
No, hundred okay. percent. And what I mean by feel Did bad. Did you guys get? I think I cut out. No, you're good. We got it. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Um, Ben, every time if Texas, you, if you go on Twitter, Texas, oh, it's their Super Bowl. It's their Super Bowl. You this and that, this and that, and it's horns down every Tuesday night and every weekend, every Sunday and Saturday, whatever, and Tuesday they're getting horns down. And somebody asked me, "There, you, you feel bad for Texas?" And I'm like, "No, I don't feel bad because." They're the ones playing the game. They're the ones losing. The other team's winning. They can do whatever they want when they win. Exactly. They can do whatever. Down. And I'm, I believe in that, too. And they beat us, and they can do whatever they want because they beat us. And, you know, they beat us in Texas Tennessee, again this year. If Tennessee's Sunday yeah, guys exactly. hurt, Texas doesn't give a shit if your Sunday guys hurt. They're going to beat you nope. and beat you. doesn't matter who was pitching or playing. They don't care. Mm-mm. So that's why, I like, I don't care. I don't feel bad for Texas. Do I want them to be good? Sure. Do I care if they're bad? Not really because – it's their team. It's not my team. I'm just watching the best team. Yeah, exactly. You know, I agree. When it comes and I think down to a it, bunch of good dudes too. Yeah. When it comes yeah, down to it, though, like, I mean, college like baseball it. players are just super competitors, and when they come into a game and and they know about a team being ranked number one preseason and get all this hype, you know, yeah, Don't get you, me wrong, you, you get a little pissed off and like you want to win the game, and then you know emotions happen at the end of the game. So like, yeah, Texas just is in a bad spot sometimes. They deserve to be number one. The first three weeks, that was the best team in the country. And when 100%. They got hurt, I agree with you 100%. They were the best team in the country. Their lineup is unbelievable. They're, I mean, they were the only team put, to beat Tennessee this year. I mean, if you put Wit back in there, that three man rotation, that is a, that is a three man, that is a pro rotation right there. Yeah. I mean, that is a professional rotation. When you look at what each three guys can do, now am I saying, are they all three big leaguers? No, we don't know that. We'll find out. Exactly. But, oh, yeah. oh, this but reminds me. They're good enough me. to pitch at college. They're really good in college. And they have two yeah. low as their hitting coach. What? They're all, they're all yeah, draft picks. Insane. All three of them are draft guys. Yes. The, dude, that's this crazy. reminds me, Connor. We have a theory here on the show that we've been you know, talking hey, about hey, for four hey, years look now. Look at the dog. Look at, the, look at, look at doggy over there. <laughs> Rosie's making her first appearance on the pod. Tony, that thing is cute, man. So cute. She got a haircut um, today, so she's looking pretty good. Yeah, fresh. I need a haircut. I got a little mullet going right now, but um dude so connor this reminds me we we always talk about this theory that we have in college baseball how it's literally almost impossible to maintain um you know staying hot throughout the whole season so we came up with the hot cold hot theory which we think that teams have the best chance to go into (laughs) omaha and win it uh hot at the beginning of the season you're gonna get cooled off in the middle and then you get hot again um is that like is that something that's true or do you think it's just it's all very hold on hold on this theory was from when I, we were playing, like way. Long. It's not something yeah. I just came up. Oh, with you're yesterday. right. You're right. Yeah, we've we've talked. This uh, we've, been, I, we we've been doing this since freaking 2011. <laughs> Start off hot, get cold in the middle of the season, play like shit, and then at the end of the season you get hot again and you roll. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no, I agree, and I'll, I'll like break it down even further for you. I think teams win a lot at the beginning of the year because they're close and they're talented, and that's mm-hmm. why they win games at the beginning of the year. Teams get cold because the season's long and like you're playing a lot of games and, you know, every now and then they just don't go your way. But the reason that teams get hot after that is because of the cold. It's not like without the cold, they would just be, you know, hot, cold. Like Ar- I hate to bring it up, but Arkansas lost their super. <laughs> it's the number one yeah. team. And so they were an example of they were the number one team all year, unanimous, mm-hmm. not even close. Mm-hmm. And they went hot and then just cold and they didn't know what to do. They didn't, yep. they, they panicked. Mm-hmm. So like that cold is the reason that they get hot again. 
and continue to stay hot because they know what it's like to be cold. And that brings them together even more. And they're like, Hey, we're not doing that again. So yeah. like, and they just win. Like they, they play for each other. And they, when you, when you're cold, you learn how to play for each other. Yes. You really it's learn how to fun. play for each other. It's, it's a game of adjustments and you got to learn how to make those adjustments to win games again. Um, exactly. And, and I mean, this is what, so we were talking in the DM, like it was literally one tech back and forth in Tennessee specific example, since we're, you know, we're talking about Tennessee. How long Tennessee goes before they hit a rough patch? Preferably, you want it earlier than later because you have time to figure it out the earlier it is. The later it is, like you said, Arkansas, they didn't have time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. They, like, you know, they got, they, I don't want to say they got lucky against Nebraska. Things just kind of went their way, but you could tell they were not the same dominant team they were mm-hmm. most of the season. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, they didn't know how to figure it out in a week because. You know, NC State, who was probably the hottest team in the country at the time. Well, NC State did the hot, cold, hot theory. They were hot at the beginning of the year, cold, middle, and then they got hot again. Uh, dude, there's yeah, they did their own uh, little hot, cold, scorching theory. Yeah, scorching, yeah. right? And that's and that's your national champion usually. It's the scorching part. Yes. So, yeah. but yeah, no, that's I, our I thought theory. those guys were going to win the Natty. To be honest with you, like I really did. We I was like, <laughs> I was like, we they have did. to, right? Like it, at this mm-hmm. point, they have to. <laughs> We all did, but yeah. So no, I love to hear people's theory on my hot, cold, yeah. hot because yeah, it's I agree, true. I agree, hundred percent. And I hope Tennessee doesn't. I hope they're just hot, hot, hot. Well, That'd be but but uh, so twenty fourteen, Virginia was the number one team in the nation for like the last fifteen weeks ask. of the season, and they ended up winning a national championship. Or was yeah, Virginia twenty fifteen. They were number 14. one all year. Wait, no, 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 fourteen. No, no, because they, they lost the. They lost to they Vandy went, in 14, right? Yeah, they lost. Maybe it was 14 they lost in the championship. Yeah, that's what it was. 14, they were number one all the way through. And then 15, they were a three seed and they ended up winning the national championship. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, okay, so I was about to ask you. So, had the team ever gone number one all year and won the national championship? Maybe one of Vanderbilt, those Vanderbilt 2019. Texas. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt 2019. Okay, I knew it was. That's the know. best college baseball team I've ever seen in my life. Disgusting. God, man. They were. I mean, that team was unbelievable. That was they when were, Kumar were, threw the no hitter in the uh... JJ Blade. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kumar. <laughs> and you know they what's crazy good, to think? You know what's crazy to think is that team was better than the Walker Bueller, Dansby, um, Fulmer. Yeah. I mean, uh, Parson yeah, Fulmer. Fulmer and um, big leaguers. And, <laughs> big leaguers and Beattie, on that team, man. Tyler Beatty. They were all on the same team. Bueller was a freshman that year. Yeah, just crazy. That guy's unreal. Yeah, I played against him when I was at UT Martin. That so I played my freshman year at UT Martin and uh, we played against Vanderbilt and Walker Bueller was their midweek guy as a freshman throwing 95, 96. And it was just unfair. <laughs> it was, yeah, it no, was I, I'm stupid. sorry. That's tough. Yeah, <laughs> it was, I was an 18 year old kid, probably the third worst division one school. And we, we just got overmatched. Um, but let, let's do this boys. Let's go ahead and go into our weekend preview. We've already been on for an hour now. Um, what we're doing is we had six series this weekend that we're going to really keep our eyes on. Of course, there's dozens of series that are big and have implications on conference, like winning a conference championship and everything, but we narrowed it down to six. Um, Demetri, go ahead and review the six series here. Um, I know one of them, of course, is Vanderbilt and Tennessee, which we're going to really oh, you talk about. Have, all right. um, I don't have them in front of me. I know Florida State is playing yeah, yeah. against. So, all right, I'll, here's your series. Tennessee at Vandy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame at Florida State. Oregon at UCLA. Um, Kennesaw State at Florida Gulf Coast. 
Um, we'll get into why we pick some of these series, and you'll understand for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisiana Tech asked Southern Miss. By the way, I have some little stat nuggets about that series, Ben. Crazy. And then the last one, Florida at Georgia, which is started about 18 minutes ago. So for those of you yep. out there, we have our picks in before the series started. Yes. We are not cheating. It, you know, fair and square here. We have our picks in if you're listening. Um, nice. Well, let's let's start with that series then because it's it just started 19 uh, minutes yep, ago. Yep. Um, so Florida and Georgia. Uh, what do they call it? The old uh, the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Cocktail party. Yeah. yeah. So um, Ben, you Ben go first. Stony, me, and then Connor. Yeah. So go me, then Stony, then Dimitri, then Connor. You'll anchor us. You'll be our our college game day picker, and you can put your Sweet. Tennessee headgear on at the very end because we know where you're going to be picking there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Georgia and Florida, um, and this is Thursday night. It goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, series, which I personally like. I love. I love. Connor, it. what's your opinions on that? Did you always like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or do you like Friday, Saturday, Sunday more? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yes. I like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday one, because, uh, for most people who don't know how college practice weeks work, you, you get the Monday off after a series, you go mm-hmm. Tuesday, midweek, Wednesday, practice, Thursday, practice, yep. and then a game Friday. But with a game on Thursday, that Wednesday practice, which is a for real practice, the Thursday practice, is just like a walkthrough in football, that Wednesday mm-hmm. practice negated. BP. See ya. It's yes. gone. <laughs> nice. So like, you just go out Wednesday night and just like, Hey, let's go take BP get out of here and then go play Thursday and you're missing class for an extra day, which is even better. Oh, that's true. Like, even yeah, better. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Sunday off, Monday off. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Sunday off day, Monday off day. It's great. Hey, what did you do on your Sunday off? Did you watch other college baseball? Or did you go just hang out? Oh no, I watched other college baseball. Mainly my roommates and I loved watching other games. Uh, be, mm-hmm. And my body was too sore to move a lot. So like <laughs> I would just stay in the house mm-hmm. and uh, you know, use my massage gun for like eight, hour straight so and, you were way more uh, you were a way more so um, we just watched i would actually watch other games you were a way more even-headed person because ben our sunday if we had a third to friday series, which was rare like happened like mm-hmm. two or three times we had a pool right next to our apartment or whatever and we had a sunday fun day we would and get we, after it that's what we did <laughs> we didn't hang out relax because i mean obviously i was a pitcher so i had all the energy in the world to mm-hmm. you know do stuff outside of games so that was we didn't watch games we we took advantage of our off days like you yeah. to do fun stuff but anyway anyway uh, so georgia florida this is uh this is a matchup here of two of the best friday night guys in the country jonathan cannon from georgia has been spectacular and then hunter barco has been just as good if not better than jonathan cannon so um it's a thursday night game under the lights and and it's at georgia which Foley Field is starting to get that um, that feeling again that they had in 2020, um, where fans are starting to come out. They're up in the right field, whatever how, greenhouse that they call it or something. Um, and I know this game's going to be packed because it's these two teams that absolutely hate each other just in every sport. I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Georgia here just because I think Jonathan Cannon's going to get him out to a win tonight. And there's just something – Something a little bit different about this Georgia team with Ben Anderson at the top of the order. Um, he's been great. And I just think that they have uh, they have what it takes to, to take down a Georgia, uh, Florida team that always seems to have let down series um, early in the SEC schedule. So I'm going to take my chances here with the home team with Georgia and just hope that uh, Florida gets a little letdown spot after beating Florida State in the midweek. 
I'm going to roll with the Gators here because D1 Baseball has Hunter Barco ranked as the number one overall starting pitcher out of the top 100. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gators, they have the the hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot. It's hot, alternating cold, every hot, weekend, hot, I feel like. Hot, cold <laughs> syndrome. Yeah, they got it down. Um, so I think they they're kind of hot right now, but I'm going to roll with them for an extra weekend and see what the Gators got. They looked really good in the midweek against Florida State. I'll give you that. So if they're going to continue hot this week, I could see it. Florida lost to LSU last week. Georgia lost to who did Georgia lost Kentucky. at Kentucky? At Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So give me Georgia at home. I think I think when you when you lose at home and then you go on the road, it it, it, it makes it even harder because road series are always going to be harder just the way it is yeah and, and they beat a pretty good georgia southern team in the midweek and, and i uh, think i think southern i mean georgia be, losing on the road coming at home you take care of business at home and i mm-hmm. think georgia will get that done this weekend so give me georgia yeah i i agree with you um i think home series matter a ton and you know it's one of the biggest things like you have to defend your home and uh to be with you i'm, I'm gonna take Georgia, but I don't think Georgia's going to win tonight. I, I think Barco's going to win. But I, I'll take Georgia for this series. Yeah. Well, here's a here's something that uh, Tanner Allen said a couple weeks ago, which is it's kind of been known for a while. But in the SEC, as long as you don't get swept on the road and you win your home series, you're you're almost you a lock to you're almost a lock to maybe even host a regional. Uh, is that something you guys ever talked about, or was it just kind yeah. of known in the back of your head, like, hey, let's not get swept and let's win our home series? No, we we talked about it. We talked about it. 15 SEC wins. That's the goal. You want to win 15 mm-hmm. SEC games and you get into a regional. You win 16, 17, you're probably hosting. You win 18, 19, you're the number one overall seed. Yep. That, it's a formula. It is, it's consistent every year. Um, All right. Yeah. Now, wait. One, one, one last thing I want to say about this Georgia team. Dude, I found out early this morning at 5 a.m. that one of my favorite Little League World Series players of all time, Cole Wilcox. No, no, wait, not Cole Wilcox. What's his name? Wagner. Um, Cole Wagner Wagner. plays for Georgia. And I still remember that kid a few years ago at the Little League World Series for that Pennsylvania team. He was a man amongst boys, and he hit a 450-foot homer um, in the midweek uh, against Georgia Southern the other day that went up on the right field hill that they have into the the greenhouse area. So I was taken back that he was playing baseball in Georgia, and uh, I don't know how much playing time he's gotten this year, but one of my all-time favorite Little League players. Just a beast. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Georgia's got some swagger to him, man. Like, Yep. As, so, as like weird as it is to say, like they're never like going to blow you away with how they play, but boy, do they act like they are, you know, everything. And I, yeah. I say that in a good way. I don't say it in a bad way at all. I, I think, you know, they play with the right attitude, and if they lose, they lose, but they go in there mm-hmm. expecting to win all They the were another team in 2020 before COVID. It, it felt like Georgia and Tennessee both had squads that – were national championship contenders. Um, they had a rotation, man. Yeah, man. They had Cole Wilcox, who I just said, uh, and then uh, Emerson mm-hmm. Hancock, who was unbelievable that season as well. Um, they they they're not as good as they were in 2020, Chris, but they're much better than they were. Team? Yeah, Christofak. Uh, he's a Georgia boy as well. Like he's from your area, right? Mm-hmm. Walton or one of those high yeah, schools. Pope. 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 That's right. Yep. Oh no, um, he went. Did he go to Walton? Who, who are we talking know. about? Sorry, I was, I was uh, looking. Christofak. I forget his first name. Christofak went to Walton. Yeah. Walton, yeah. He he had a crazy – I don't know. Yeah, we, we're not going to talk about yeah. that. We're not going to talk about that. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listeners don't need to know. But, um, 
Anyways, we'll go to the second series here. We'll stay in, in the Georgia area. Um, we have Kennesaw State. No, no. Oh. We're go Kennesaw State going okay. to Florida Gulf Coast. And um, how far how far is your hometown from uh, from Kennesaw State? You're ten right minutes, around ten, 10 minutes. My yeah, yeah. I have a twin sister. She goes there. She goes there right now. Oh, nice. Hey, I didn't know you yeah. had a twin. That's cool. Um, mm -hmm. did you ever go to the games when they had like Max Pentecost, who was a one of one of the best mid major First catchers of all time? Yeah, one of the best yeah. mid major catchers of all time. Oh yeah, he's he was real good. I got to see him play hey. in person a couple times. He mm -hmm. took his money and went straight to the farm ranches to go hunting yep, and fishing. That's all he wanted. Ever, <laughs> ever he ever wanted. When we we played with each other on Team Elite, he he told us he's like, I don't like baseball that much. I I just don't mm -hmm. like baseball that much. And he just had an unbelievable Cape summer. Mm -hmm. Made his went to Kennesaw, made his money, played it. I think it's five years. Before you get your bonus. But he took his money and ran to North. Yeah, freaking Wayne, yeah, Georgia. In college. So he's not playing he pro really baseball good. at all anymore. Oh no, he retired. I don't think, I don't think so. Three, no, he retired three. I want to say three years ago because he got hurt. He uh -huh. hurt. He yeah. kept getting hurt, and he he already didn't like. He don't get me wrong. He loved baseball, but he would always say, "I there's so many better things that I can do." And when the money came, it made it easy for him. I think to just. Mm -hmm be done he retired didn't even like didn't even he just walked out one day of blue jay facility and took his money and went and bought a house on the farm hunting and chilling living i kind of respect him for that man if he, he knew he knew what he wanted and and he, he made it happen so um, go ahead. yeah good for him but i go guess ahead. going back to the uh to the series did, well did kennesaw like recruit you pretty heavily or did they know that you were yeah never oh yeah they there? were my first offer my sophomore year they were my first offer oh okay okay uh, i visited there who offered it was just who like offered you? Uh, uh, it was between it came down to Tennessee and Bama, um, but it was with Kennesaw State was my first, uh, and then Penn State. Uh, oh, I meant um, okay, okay. I, I meant who offered you at Kennesaw? Oh, at Kennesaw, uh, Trey Fowler, Tucker, Trey Fowler offered me. Oh, oh tr okay, the hitting coach, yeah, Tucker. Yeah, I think Trey's he my guy. There. I love that guy, man. Mm -hmm. He's there um, now. Tucker's back at Kennesaw, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, he was with the Rangers, I think. Scout with the React. Yeah. Then he went back. Good for them. Yeah. I mm -hmm. like those. And people. they got Hatcher now, too. They're raw. Dude, yeah. Hatcher's been unbelievable so far this year. But hey, Ben, you know um, Chesney's brother there, too. Yeah. Cash. Yep. Cash Young. He's He's been playing really well for him. So, too. anyway, make your pick. Make your yeah. pick. So, that's oh, what I was Ken, trying to Ken get saw. to. Ken no. Sorry. Oh, so. Oh, I was going to make my pick. Uh, you were going to be oh, last. But oh, yeah, that's bad. cool. I thought you were yelling at me there, Dimitri. No, oh, you're, you're good. You're taking a I kind of figured you would being like right growing up right around there. Uh, I'm taking Florida Gulf Coast. I saw them play, um, let's see, two weekends ago. They had a big weekend series, and uh, they're solid, man. They're 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 solid. They're playing at home. Now they have a terrible stream. Their their TV stream is terrible, so I won't be watching very many more of their games. But <laughs> I, uh, I I believe in the Eagles this year, and I think that they're going to compete with with Liberty for an A Sun title. So give me Florida Gulf Coast. I'm going to roll with the uh, the hottest hitter in college baseball and Mississippi State national champion Josh Hatcher and Kennesaw State. Two cycles in a week is crazy. Not a big deal. One cycle in your life is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me tell you something. It is it is hard to go down to the Gulf Coast and win. They were they were our rivals for three years in the eighth when we were there, Ben. Mm -hmm. it's hard to win down there. It is really hard to win down there. And um, Kennesaw has always, I mean, I'm just telling you from experience, Kennesaw has always lost down there, won at home. That's just usually how it is. Um, give me Florida Gulf Coast. Um, 
they they're they're gonna win at home. Yeah. Um, okay, so and then Des ends up picking Florida Gulf Coast. He sent his picks in. So cool. Um, let's do this. Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech. This is one that Dimitri said that he has some nuggets for. We consider both of these teams quote unquote mid majors, even though the the conference USA is very, very, very good at baseball. Um, and these are two of the top mid-major programs in the country every single year. And I think we have them number two and number three right now in our rankings, uh, our mid-major poll we do. This one was tough for me because, we, yeah, we have them number two and number three. But this one was tough because as much as I love Louisiana Tech this season, and I picked them to go to Omaha in our preseason show as one of my Omaha eight, it's just so tough to go to – Southern Miss. I don't know if you ever played there. I, don't, I doubt you have. But mm-hmm. something about the Pete, uh, they, they call it, playing at Southern Miss in front of a large crowd, it, it just – they play so much better at home than they do on the road. So I think if this series was at Louisiana Tech, I would take them. But since it's at Southern Miss, give me the Golden Eagles. I think I love the away teams. Going Law Tech. Going the Diamond Dogs. I'm just – I'm an away <laughs> bandit this week. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a home bandit, I guess. <laughs> Trying to catch up a bit. It's, yeah. It's probably <laughs> what it is. So, Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech played 11 times last year. Whew. You remember the Conference USA had those four-game series? Yeah. And they did it twice with Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech. And then they played a three-game series for the uh, – or not a three-game series. They played three times in the Conference USA tournament. That's Shit. impossible. There's no way. Because listen, so I'm going to tell you right now. No, it's not impossible. Never mind. Never mind. My, I was thinking yeah. double elimination. Lose one's got to beat them. So, yeah. Yeah. The first series, um, Louisiana took t- Louisiana Tech took three out of four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they split two two. So with three, they were three and six again. Louisiana Tech last year, conference tournament. They won the first one, and then they lost the next two. Eleven times in one year. One two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the 11 games were decided by three runs or less. Really? Wow. Pretty so, evenly matched teams, yeah. I mean, I mean, the rivalry is there. I mean, the rivalry is there. But give me Southern Miss at home. Like, no doubt about it. Give me Southern Miss at home. But I do think if Louisiana Tech had to leave sixth, seventh inning, Krieger will shut them down and they'll win. Uh, but, Kyle Krieger is, is a beast, man. Probably sleeper. Yeah, I agree. That. I agree with that, and that's why I'm going to go with them. Just because, like, having a closure like that is unbelievable. Like, you yeah. cannot. I mean, you saw underestimate he's, the, he's the fact that I saw him against LSU, and he made those. Uh, LSU has one of the best offenses in the nation, top to bottom, and he made those hitters look dumb. And it was mm-hmm. credit to him. But Southern Miss has flamethrower too. Their Sunday guy ninety up to a hundred. Yeah. By college baseball is just so much different, man. It's their just, Sunday guy is up to 100 with a, a hammer, an absolute hammer. Walt when I graduated, in, I graduated in 2017 from Mercer, and like a Sunday guy was 80, 84, 85. Like he was the guy that you would just boost your stats off of. Now we got guys throwing 100 on Sundays. It's, Wait, it's, so Pat, you took Louisiana Tech? You're rolling with Tech? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and Tony, you're with Tech too? Yep, and Dez took Tech as well. So it's just you and me on Southern Miss. And like I said, if this was at Louisiana Tech, at the Love Shack, I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. But since it's at Southern Miss, give me give me uh, yep. Golden Eagles. Um, next series here, we have UCLA and Oregon. And 
obviously we we shit talk UCLA all the time about um, <laughs> they they are just like the University of Florida and they'll win a series that they'll you're like oh my god this team is the greatest team on, in the country and then they they will lose to a series or lose a series and you're just thinking how is this team even good so uh, Oregon goes to UCLA and UCLA had a really good weekend last week at Arizona and obviously. I always try to find the look-ahead series for UCLA, and it's not this weekend. So they're going to play their best baseball again this weekend. It's the next weekend against Utah where they're going to lose that series somehow. Um, so give me UCLA. Give me the Bruins. Give me Kenny Oyama. Um, they're going to continue to play well this weekend, and then watch next weekend against Utah. They're going to either get swept or lose two out of three. That's my prediction. I'm rolling with uh, another away team. Surprise. Give me the Oregon Ducks and my preseason Omaha eight pick. Um, Oregon's got an offense. They've got an offense that is real. And I think they're top five in batting average, which batting average may be an old stat, whatever. They hit the ball Mm -hmm. well. They hit a lot of homers. Their pitching is a little more suspect than it has been in recent years, Mm -hmm. but Oregon's good. They're ranked in the top 25 now on D1 baseball. I think they're good. Well, didn't they lose? They lost three out of four the first weekend, and since then they've won something like 17 out of 19. Yeah, I think Um, they've won every series since, and their midweeks have been iffy to say the least. Um, but yeah, I think they're a good Uh, baseball team. They're just, I'll tell you guys this, um, Connor, I know you're probably not allowed to sports gamble, especially on baseball, so just cover your ears, dude. For any listeners out there that are sports gamblers. You can get Oregon 80 to 1 to win the College World Series. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the College World Series, but right now they're in first place in the Pac 12 and 80 to 1 odds. Are you kidding me? That is way too good not to sprinkle a little bit of money on. I mean, dude, all you have to do is hope they make a super and then you hedge it or you, you hedge out of that. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if you can sell your ticket early, but yeah. That's all you want. You just want them to go as far as possible, then you sell your ticket. 80 to 1 and oh. they might win the Pac 12. <laughs> give me give me Oregon this week. Dude, I, I don't like this one at all. I don't like this one at all. But, hey, I keep picking against UCLA. It's going to hit soon. It's it oh, a yeah. matter of time before this thing one hit. This shit will hit. Give me Oregon. Yeah, I, I like Oregon because their offense. Um, I think pitching is what it is, and you never really know what you're going to get. You see a guy once a week. Mm-hmm. So if, if their guys show up this weekend, that's going to be tough for UCLA. Um, but I think their offense is good enough to carry them. So I'm going to take them in, in their series. Yeah, and, and Oregon really – like this is a weekend where they try to prove themselves, you know. Um, they're they're going to be focused on the road. And I know I picked UCLA, but it would not surprise me one bit if Oregon just goes in there and, and shows them that they're for real, you know. Hey, they're this close every year, dude. They're this mm-hmm. close every year. They're just, well, they, like, they ran into the pulmonary train in that, in that regional last year. It, you guys yeah. should have and could have played Oregon in that Should have played region. Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a little pulmonary magic that they had in that that final mm-hmm. season for them. I know. Um, next series here is Notre Dame at Florida State. Uh, I'll be upfront and honest. I am not a believer in Notre Dame this year. I know I sound stupid because you know some polls have them ranked in the top ten. I just I don't think that. First of all, they cancel way too many games. They probably lead the nation in most canceled games. They've canceled five, not try to make up and make up any of them including three conference games, which I think is cowardly. Um, and I've been probably the highest person on Florida State all year long. I love their starting rotation. Um, they have three legitimate 
uh, Friday night guys that throw uh, between Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard and the other kid, Noah, something I always forget his last name, but um, all three lefties and they're, they're really, really good. And Florida state plays way, 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 way better at home. And Alex Terrell with the, uh, the short right field fence. I, I picture him to hit a couple home runs this weekend. Give me the cinnamon rolls. And yes, I said cinnamon rolls again. I will always call them that. It's such a lame joke. I don't even like Florida State, but I think it's so lame when you say cinnamon rolls. It's just so much f- more fun to say than Seminoles. Fair. <laughs> I, I picked Notre Dame for my uh, Omaha 8 preseason this year, but uh, I don't think home run Jesus is there this year. I don't think he is. So, yeah, I'm going to roll with the, I guess, the cinnamon rolls is what we're going to call on the, this podcast. So this is going to be the name yep. of the podcast. Cinnamon so rolls with Connor. So you're picking Notre uh, Dame? No, I'm going to take Florida State. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming Pab Boy over here is going to pick Florida State too, which means if I pick Florida State, we're all going to pick Florida State and Notre Dame's going to win. Guaranteed. So <laughs> either I'm going to pick Notre Dame or you have to pick Notre Dame, Connor. That's the way this works. Uh, That's the I think way you should works. bite that bullet. Yeah. I, I already, I'm picking Florida State, so you have one choice. No, dude. Okay. I want us all to take Florida State. Let's do it. Let's let's I reverse agree. this curse. Wait, uh, are, where are you going to pick lost Florida State at home this year? They haven't lost a series at all this year. Yeah, uh, much less at home. Um, so are you going to pick them anyway? Yeah, I was going to pick them regardless. Yeah, so he's taking. We're all taking Florida State here. I love it. Mm-hmm. We're going to reverse this. Fighting curse. Irish from Notre Dame. Yeah, it's almost guaranteed. I don't know if we've ever done this before. Um, we're, I mean, yeah, Notre Dame's going to win the series now, but who cares? Um, last... they're gonna post it on Twitter. You can't forget it. Yes, and, and they're gonna cheat. I mean, they're gonna chirp at us. No I doubt. Mean, like Dallas, hey, when when Dallas Braden took Tulane, all of us faded. Uh, took the other one. He faded us, and it worked out well for him. Yeah, but and then Tulane <laughs> chirped us, which I loved. But um, all right. Well, we we've waited long enough. This last series here. Uh, I mean, you cannot say enough about it. It's two cream of the crop programs, probably talent wise, the two best teams in the country. Vanderbilt in, in, in Tennessee. And Tennessee is going to Nashville um, in, in Vanderbilt's tiny little stadium that they have. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I was torn between it. So obviously Tennessee's playing the best baseball out of anybody times two. Uh, there's nobody even close. And I'm, I'm doing this as a favor to Tennessee fans and, and to yourself, Connor. The Ben Upton jinx is usually in full effect around this time of the year. And I, I my heart says, let's go with Tennessee and let's do it. But my brain is telling me Vandy, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt is going to uh, – well, I will if you quit interrupting me. Um, the My brain's telling me Vanderbilt's going to be ready. Coach Corbin's going to have him. I'm going to take Vanderbilt, which is a good thing for Tennessee fans because I usually get these main series wrong. So give me Vanderbilt. Ben, great minds think alike. I had the exact same thought process. It's like my my heart is telling me Tennessee. My brain is telling me Vandy. Did Vandy have a look-ahead series last week? Is that why they lost to South Carolina? No, no, no. They just lost. South Carolina was just better than them. Is that I'm just no. saying. Dude, I, we, I like that theory, a look-ahead. We, we've been talking about – we haven't been talking about Vandy all season, and all of a sudden they're a top-five team like they are mm-hmm. year in and year out. But since you took Vandy, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Vols and Coach V. Oh, I can't oh, help it. Not so fast, my friend. I love it. Not so fast. So you're going with Tennessee. Yep. 
it's not that it's not it's, this is not that difficult. If they lose, they lose. It happens. But Tennessee, if you're putting money down, you're an idiot if you put money down on Vanderbilt. Like you're you're just what a quote. Like, what a quote. I've never heard that in college <laughs> baseball. You're an idiot if you bet on Vanderbilt. <laughs> this, is, this is the weekend where it's true. Tennessee is better in every aspect of the game, defensively, on the mound, and offensively. Vanderbilt turf field, Tennessee turf field. It's another home game a hundred miles west in nashville mm-hmm. i agree tennessee, um, rocky and, top <laughs> yeah <laughs> and obviously i'm gonna pick tennessee um but I, mm-hmm. I have a valid reason um i think they are playing the best best baseball in college right now um i think thinking about the fact that bandy lost south carolina last weekend is a bit um unsettling i wouldn't say it's like scary or anything like that because um, they're going to show up and play regardless of how they played last weekend but um, I said it to someone earlier this week, but Coach Corbin never puts a bad team on the field. And, you know, whether they're your rival or not, like, we we never feared anybody, but we respected everybody. Uh, that They're going to go in and they're going to respect Vanderbilt for who they are. Um, but I hope they treat them just like they did Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Just bury them. Please, please. <laughs> bury them. Bury them. Early. So, bury them. So for all the Tennessee listeners, I know we're going to get thousands of them that listen to this episode. Um, I want, I want this to be clear. Please do not chirp me on Twitter. I did this as a favor because I knew that everybody else was going to go with Tennessee. And if we all pick Tennessee, it's almost guaranteed that Vanderbilt's going to win the series. Cause we, we see it every week when we all agree on something. So I took Vanderbilt. I, I, if Vanderbilt somehow wins the series, I look like a genius, but like I was saying, I, I really do think Tennessee is that much better than Vanderbilt this year, and Tennessee is going to war this weekend. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what time, what place. Those guys are going to be ready to play, and they're going to want to show Vanderbilt that they are the best team in the state of Tennessee and the best team in the country. So this is a it's big series so for recruiting. Yeah, it's it's big for recruiting. It's big for for pride. Uh, but this is just another series for Tennessee right here. You know, they're not going to overlook anything. Uh, they're just going to go and play their game. I, I, I expect Tennessee to win this series, but I picked Vanderbilt, so we didn't all pick Tennessee. Yeah, smart. I mean, I think you you kind of walked into that one like you're, there's no getting out of all nation, my guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> there, there's no way, right? Like you're gonna drop this tomorrow, and exactly mm-hmm. one hour and thirty minutes after you drop it, it you will have at least one chirp at you. Yes, if not a thousand. I um, hope so. But that's just I actually would love it. That's just I love it, and you gotta love them. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, Dude, that pretty much wraps up the show here. And I really appreciate you for staying on the whole time. Uh, we love when our guests do that. Um, best of luck to you in the uh, in the, the pro season coming up. And uh, if you're – do you know uh, – you might not know the exact place you're going to be, but do you have like two or three options where you think you might be, end up? Because we would love to come uh, watch you play sometime. Lie, probably. Where, where uh, is that at? So all of our affiliates are in Maryland except for uh, AAA, which is in Norfolk, mm-hmm. Virginia. So highs in Aberdeen. Uh, Maryland and then Loe's in Delmarva uh, or in Salisbury, Maryland. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll definitely, I'll send you guys a schedule and we'll figure something out. Yeah. We'll figure. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you this. The, uh, so I live in Macon, Georgia, which is um, like our South of Atlanta. The Macon airport only flies to two places. It flies to Nashville, flies to Baltimore and the flights are like $49. So <laughs> yeah. uh, dude, I might make a trip. I might just Heck take yeah. a weekend trip up there. Um, That'd be but- sick. Ben, you're a dad now. You're a dad now. There's no more weekend trips. I'll just throw I'll throw my kid on my lap and we'll get on that little private jet. So um but Connor man, you're gonna you're gonna Appreciate get some it. 
you're going to get so many new fans and followers because our, our, our listener base is really passionate. Really appreciate you for doing this. You were awesome. Uh, love to have you back on sometime. And uh, maybe next time we can get you and uh, old Cheesehead Dallas on the show together. Really get things turned up. <laughs> Absolutely. He would love that. And I, I would yep. love that too. So you just let me know when and where. And uh, yep. and hopefully it's before a, a big series like Tennessee's about to play this weekend. But I got yep. all the confidence in those boys. And uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I had a blast. Hey, appreciate awesome. it, man. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.